right. Well, why don't we begin? Thank you everyone um, for joining us today for our virtual coffee talk. I hope you all have your favorite coffee or tea or additional morning beverage with you. I know I have mine in one of my favorite mugs. Normally I spend this time of the year in Naples, Florida. However, I am in New Jersey, so we're all living um, a new normal. And I wanna thank all of you for joining us on our Friday virtual coffee talks to um, discuss some things that may be going on in our market, to hear our top producers and experts industry. So without further ado, what I'd like to um, do is introduce Bo Berry, who is on with us today, all the way from Flor Central Florida, I believe. So hey, Bo, how's, hey. how's everything in Florida? It's awesome. It's awesome. Good. Everyone's complying for the most part. I'm in Gainesville, so the streets are pretty and we've actually, we're, our county is the only county in all of Florida that has over 100 cases and no deaths. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. So I know you're on to talk um, about us, some success factors that we could take into account to kind of keep the business moving in this trying time for us. And we have several participants um, who are on the line, who probably have a bunch of questions to ask you. So before we get into a conversation with Bo, I want to preface that all the phone lines are on mute. We ask that you keep them on mute unless you're speaking. That way we minimize some boundaries. But we want to keep this a casual discussion. Um, there's a lot of great things that Bo's been doing in his market, and I know many of you have been doing in your market. So feel free to ask those questions in the chat, unmute your line, and create that dialogue. But um, Bo, why don't you tell us, um, for those who may not know you, a little bit about your specialty, what type of market you currently sit in, and what you're seeing as a result of this interesting time period we're in. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm based in Gainesville, Florida. You know, we're home to the University of Florida Gators. Um, for, you know, a good bit of my business, I'd say eight or 10, the first eight or 10 years of my business in the late nineties, early two thousands, I was just kind of a generalist. I did office and retail and industrial, um, and, and did very, <coughs> excuse me, did very well. Uh, it wasn't until about 10 years ago, where I started specializing in multifamily. Um, I'm in a smaller market. Our population for the county is about 270,000 people. Um, and so uh, when I initially began specializing, I was just kind of creating a name for myself in multifamily, but would also do some general commercial real estate. Since then, of course, for many years, I've just only done multifamily. Um, my market is very conducive for that. Obviously, we've got a lot of student housing here, but I, I cover from Orlando north. So basically the northern half of the state is, is my territory for multifamily. Um, what I'm seeing is that a lot of stuff is just kind of chilled, right? So in multifamily and probably a lot of the investment sales, I think we're kind of in that what I call tweener phase. It's like just kind of this in-between phase where I think uh, – a lot of the investors have, are just sort of, you know, they're kind of looking at how is April rents gone? How bad was it? Um, am I in a place right now where I need to sell? Probably not, not with one month of distress. I don't know if May will be the critical point. I think by June, if, if we're still at stay at home or certainly by July, I think that's when a little more of the bloody noses will start. 
And, you know, I, the, the buyers are, you know, I think most of the buyers in the frame of mind where they're not really, they're not buying anything that doesn't have a discount. Plus it's that unicorn property that's just phenomenal location that is, you know, just has, you know, it's not being affected at all. It's owned by a group that the buyers know isn't in pain. Um, and so we're just kind of in this, this flat line. So I'm using a lot of this time to, uh, to just have lots of conversations. I'm a big phone guy. Uh, I do some email as well, checking in. I'm doing a lot of market reports. You know, this business is so fast that, you know, every day is spent just, you know, just keeping up with the demand, right? And so I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this period because there's so many cool things I wanted to do with market stats and, a lot of customers I wanted to talk to that I just, just didn't have the time. And so I'm doing lots of really cool market reports. Um, I'm speaking with folks. Um, I just put out a survey this morning using SurveyMonkey, which is getting really, really good response. And uh, it's just a very easy eight question survey. Um, you know, it cost me a hundred bucks on SurveyMonkey because I'm sending it to about 800 people but it's, it's my world. Like my world is 800 people. That's who owns every single apartment complex in the world in my markets. And it's questions like, you know, tell me exactly how your April went. You, you know, were you 5% down on rent collections, 10%, 20%? Were you up 5%? Were you up 10%? Did you change at all? Uh, another question is if you were buying an asset right now, uh, regardless of whether the April collections were in line with March and February, are you expecting a discount? And so anyway, I've got eight questions that, that everyone is asking me already and they're asking us as brokers. And the, the, a lot of people are just kind of giving general answers. Ah, oh, well, our April was pretty good. What does pretty good mean? Like, you know, pretty good to some guys may mean I got, I collected 95% of my rents, right? Pretty good to another guy could have been, I collected 70% of my rents because he was expecting to only collect 50%, right? So the survey, I get down and dirty to the, to the nitty gritty. I just sent it an hour ago and I've got hundreds of emails already coming back saying, oh. yeah. And so it'll be another touch point that I'll have all next week, right? So I'm going to send out the results, have fun phone calls, like it'll be really, really good information. Um, and it kind of provides a little more, uh, you know, surety. I mean, everyone's just, you know, I think a lot of brokers when they're called and they're asked these questions, specific information doesn't really do anything for anybody. I always talk in terms of numbers. When someone says, how's the market doing? I don't say, yeah, things are going pretty well. You know, like I talk in actual numbers and I rat off that I try to, you know, I want the customer to feel like, whoa, this dude knows what he's doing. Right? Like he knows how to answer the question. He, he gets it. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, from the student housing perspective, that's one where I'm, I'm probably most worried about because if this thing goes on too far and the universities uh, decide that the fall will be online only, I can't imagine anything other than an absolute bloodbath. Um, and, and it's a very real possibility because if you think about, is it possible by August that hundreds of thousands of students from China, 
from Italy, from New York, from New Jersey, are all going to be in a classroom together, hundreds at a time. Sometimes these, these auditoriums have a thousand students at one time by August, right? So I got a lot of student housing guys that are just scared to death because if that happens, it's just, it's, it's gonna be really, really tough, no matter who you are. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. I don't think any of us has a crystal ball on what's gonna happen. Um, especially, you know, how this is going to affect commercial real estate. Obviously, you've been around for the downturn of the economy, for where we've been booming. So how can you have that conversation with your clients about what to expect for the future? Like I said, we don't have a magic ball, but, you know, based upon these survey results and kind of easing people's minds as commercial real estate professionals, how can we kind of, you know, ease our clients' minds um, and see where we can go as we move this forward and as we gain more information on a weekly basis? Um, I think the survey will help a lot because I, the way I've structured it is it gives actual numbers, right? So I'm, when, I, when I send this back out, I'm going to have follow-up conversations with folks and, it's, and you know, the survey is going to say, you know, that 48% of people collected, you know, 70% or more, 22% of people collected 90% or more, right? So that makes everybody feel either better that their results are similar, or it's going to make them feel worse, and they're going to they're going to have to figure out, okay, I need to do something different and better or least better or whatever, or I'm doing better than everyone else. What I'm so it's just it's going to provide a little more surety and. You know, frankly, I'm I'm a broker. Like I, I I only get paid if I sell stuff, right? And so, if if a guy is kidding himself about his performance, he needs to know that, right? And and if April is as good as it gets, which is in my opinion, probably going to be the case. Mm-hmm. And and if that guy collected sixty five percent, and and that hurt, then he needs to start preparing for May, right? So, you know, you asked me the question, how can we make people feel better or at ease? That ain't my job. My job is to deliver actual information. I think a lot of people are telling brokers to, to, to help people and make them feel more at ease. I ain't make them feel more at ease if they don't need to feel more at ease, right? If they don't need to feel more at ease, if they're looking good, I'll tell them. And if they got a great asset, and they collected 85, 90, 95% of stuff, and, and they're in a corridor that's growing. And, and by the way, I'm talking about apartments, but it could be for shopping centers if you do leasing or whatever it is. And, and, and they should hold that asset. I'm gonna tell them, man, you, that's, a, that's a legacy asset. I'd hold that thing forever. You know, you're looking good. But if you're hurting, you need to start preparing. And, and you know, what makes that guy who's hurting feel better is, I've got people who can close in 45 days with hard money day one, and, I, and we can make this happen quickly. So the worst case scenario, Mr. Guy who's dying, is we can get this done, okay? Yes, it's going to be at a discount to what your value was two months ago, and you can let your ego, and I'm not, I'm not talking in this direct of terms, but you can let your ego, you know, take you to the death, or I can save your life right now. And we can have guys who can, who can close quickly. Yeah. And I think one of the key things in there that you had mentioned was 
not about feeling them at ease, but giving them facts and then having them think about their business in a different way. And that was one of the most interesting things that I've noticed in the last four weeks is how many of the local businesses, I know probably more retail focused, but they have to start thinking about how they could serve their customers in a different way. And I think that was a really interesting point you put out there too. Yeah. Yeah, the retail industry, I'm sure, is hurting pretty darn good as well. Mm -hmm. Hey, Bo, this is Christina Ballas. Nice to meet you virtually. Hey. Um, I wanted to just ask you a question. You know, the survey um, idea was really great. I think, um, like Christina pointed out, just being rooted in numbers. I think feeling rooted is really helpful in a time of chaos. And I think numbers obviously give all of us that that um, that feeling of of actual data that we can hang on to. Um, what made you um, kind of, or what gave you the idea to think about that? And then, you know, would you be willing to share, you know, what you come up with as far as like data? And I'm just personally curious, and, and even if it's not in this forum, it just, it sounds like such an interesting way to really feel like in control of things during an uncontrollable time. Yeah. So um, I get I get coached uh, by, um, by by a coaching company, right? And I and I have for years and years and years. Um, one of the guys that that I look up to a lot that that gets coached by the same company is a guy named Bob Knackle. Bob Knackle is arguably one of the top ten biggest producing commercial real estate brokers in the world. He's based in New York. Phenomenal guy. I know him personally. Um, one thing he told me several years ago when we met at a, at a convention was that when, in, when investors ask you questions about the market, about whatever it is, don't be the, the, the same broker that he hears from every single time, which is the guy who says, oh, things are going real well and, you know, just sold this, you know, last year or last month and, and calls are going pretty good and the market's hot. Man, I can't believe how great – it's just bullshit talk. Like it's just, it just makes you look sound. It makes you sound ridiculous next if you're followed by me. And I don't mean that in a cocky way. I'm saying the way I answer is, you know, last year, 22% of sales were X and, and, and the Gainesville market, the appreciation rate was 3.8%. And, and it's boom, 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 boom. And, I, and the way Bob answers is in the same exact way. And so, you know, we're all getting these calls, right? And, and, and actually most of my calls are, you know, Bo, you know, Bo, what are you hearing about April collections? And do you have anything distressed that I can buy? That's my number, that's my, my calls every single time, right? And so you, you think you can remember every, everyone's you know, responses when you ask these questions, but you can't. And so the survey, you know, kind of, I've always talked in, in numbers. It's, it's the only way my brain works. And I think that the people in my world, my customer, my, my buyer, myself, my developer, whoever it is, most people in commercial real estate think in numbers, okay? So that's the, that's the, world, that's the world that we're in. And so if I can, if I can provide answers in, in legit um, quantitative measures, it's going to set me apart from everybody, right? Then I'm not the guy who says, hey, the market's doing good. I gave, I gave real numbers who, by the way, that person will then spat off those numbers and who they came from, from like 10 other people, right? So when I send this survey off, I guarantee to you, my name is going to be in front of dozens of other people, if not hundreds of other investors that I either already reached or haven't reached yet. So the, 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 the call will go, 
you know, you know, I'm, I'm Bob Smith that owns so-and-so apartment uh, developers, and I'm calling up my buddy Jay Smith over in New York. Hey, I just got this survey from this, this guy, this broker over in Florida named Bo Beery. Really good information. Here's what I heard. Have you seen this survey? Did you get this survey? No, I didn't get that survey. You should forward it to me. Okay, let me forward it to you. Boom. And that guy forwards and that guy takes it and he sends it all his property managers, right? And then the property managers send it to property managers in other companies because they're all friends. And so it's just when you talk and answer in a different way, that's, it, that gets missed, right? Yeah, that's great. Um, we had a question here. A senator in New York is trying to pass a bill to forgive rents for three months. If this passes, do you think other states will follow? Uh, <laughs> I guess are, are, are mortgage companies going to give a three-month break? Are utility companies going to give a three-month break? Exactly, yeah. Is the guy going to give a three-month break? Is the lawnmower going to give a three-month break? Um, you know, I don't know how to answer that. I, I have no idea if that's going to happen in other places. Um, all they're doing is just creating more chaos by doing that. It's ridiculous. And by the way, to think, I mean, a lot of this stuff just annoys the hell out of me because especially in the retail world, what I'm hearing from my retail brokers and retail owners is, you know, we're, you know, we're somewhere between 10 and 20 days into this for most markets. Are you telling me as a human being who pays apartment rent or a business, you don't have 20 days of stockpile cash shits like this? where you got to call landlords, where you got to call me to pay rent, that is ridiculous, right? I mean, I just can't imagine, you know, the McDonald's of the world, the steak and shakes, the Talbots, the Chico's on a damn landlord and saying, hey, we need to reduce rent 15 days after, you know, after they've, you know, done stay at home. And to think you don't have 15 days of rent and you're a publicly traded company, eh, and so, you know, a lot of my, a lot of the apartment guys, the same thing. I'm having these conversations with people, especially the student housing guys, you got parents who, you know, eight days later are calling up and saying, well, my kid's not in his place. He's back at home. I'm not paying rent. By the way, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars do you have in your savings account? I mean, most people who send their kid to college don't have 10 less, you know, don't have, you know, 10 days only of savings account. So you just got to be, you got to educate these folks and, and let them know that ain't happening. <laughs> All right. 74% of kids are still in their units, particularly in the Florida markets, because if they go back home, most of them are New York, New Jersey, Boston, right. and other markets that are even worse. And so they're taking classes, they're living in my units. And even if they ain't, you still owe them. Both. Um that's fine with corporate America, but Main Street USA is made up of 78% of small businesses. And 78% of small businesses don't have the money to pay next month's rent. I think we're in the service industry. We don't sell apartments. We don't sell buildings. We don't sell land. We're in a relationship business. And I think now more than ever, yes, we can play hardball, but we need to, some of these people need to be coached and counseled of the alternatives that they have, because in the long run, that's gonna come back to help us more than playing hardball, I think. I'm talking to people, have you talked to your bank? I'm finding out that almost on all of our commercial loans, 
if the bankers have not called us, they're giving people anywhere from three to four months if you need it. Come talk to us. And so what we're encouraging people as we're making our calls is have you made contact with your lending people who you have your mortgages with? And so I, I think we can, I, I agree with you, commercial real estate should not be the backstop. But just as you say, you use a coach, we should be coaching and be consulting and helping these people. A lot of these small business people don't know where to go. And so in our phone calls, what, what, what I'm trying to make is saying that, let us help you out through this if we can. Have you consider that? So um, I, I completely agree with you on McDonald's and people like that, but you also gotta realize in most Main Street USA, we're not all dealing with McDonald's or, or Chick-fil-A. So um, I, I think we, we need to realize, first of all, we're not in the real estate business right now. We're in the relationship building business right now. So anything we can do to assist these people, we need to just as you've hired that coach, we need to be that coach and help all of our people who are paying us rents in any way, form or fashion. And I think it'll come back to us more ways than, than more. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's particularly if you are a tenant representative, sure, that's what you should be doing. But even my, my point, I mean, listen, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sounding hardball, but the, the end result is you got to collect rent, right? Sure. Landlord, you're trying to do everything you can. But even a small business, even a guy who cuts hair, are you telling me you don't have 30 days of cash? And if you, and by the way, they don't. I mean, Gigi, I agree with you. They don't. And I believe that's a ridiculous problem, not just in America, but all over the world. Who the hell doesn't have four months as a small business? You should have four, at least four months. I mean, by God, at least act remotely like you've listened to Dave Ramsey. <laughs> I just, anyway. Oh, you're, just, you're going to be shocked. We're, we're, we're the, where the Panamania, the panic is going to come in is not this month or next month. It's going to be the end of May, June, July rent rolls. That's when people, if, if this thing, if we can't get the economy going, the, the, the panic is going to come in, not today or tomorrow, but it's going to come in 60, 90 days from now. Because yeah, I agree. They, those people, as harsh as it sounds, I read an article the other day, 72% of the people who own a house will not be able to make a mortgage payment because they do not have, you and I might have that type of savings, but the average Joe in the United States of America does not have that type of money hidden in a pillowcase or in the bank to, to make payments 90 days from now. Yeah, and that's exactly. where the, I think that's where the real problem is going to hit the road. Is I, I agree. I agree. Is, is uh, down the road. Well, this is going to take eighteen to twenty-four months to sort out. I mean, it's it's just just getting to going now is what I think you're saying. Um, you know, and uh, as as the situation goes on and people don't pay, it's going to really start a whole waterfall of events. Yeah. Yeah, Tom. I know you wanted to chime in and say something. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. <laughs> All right, great. So, but what what are you doing to actively keep in contact with your clients during this time? Um, I mean, is there something special that you're doing uh, just to?
actually be top of mind with them? Yeah, I mean, I, I always use, like I said, I'm a big stats guy. I'm doing market reports. I'm doing lots of, you know, I, you know, just rewinding a little bit. I, I, I've spent the majority of my career building the best database I possibly can. I use RealNext as my CRM. And I, I have imported every single property that exists in my entire market. And I've categorized it by everything you can think of. Number of units, beds, square footage, acres, whether it's student, conventional, or affordable, bop, 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 right? And so in 10 minutes, I can produce any report your mind can possibly imagine, right? And so... Um, so I, I, I'll do all kinds of calculations and I use that as a way to have a conversation. So I'll, I'll call the, I'll, you know, call a customer. And by the way, I, when I, when I call customers, I stick to my rank a customers, right? So, uh, there are in my database, I have rank a rank B and rank C. Okay. Out of 1400 people who own all the assets. Okay. There's about 700 of them that fall in my rank A and rank B. And there's about 130, 135 that fall in rank A. I make my living off of rank A. So I'm not calling 700 people or 1,400 people, whatever it is. I'm calling 135 people, which I can do in about a two or three week period pretty easily, right? So I'm having, I'm, I'm calling on people who already know me. They're saved in my cell phone. I'm saved in theirs. I talk to them all the time and I transact with them. Probably 95% of my volume comes from the rank A people. So I call them up. Hey, Harry, it's Bo. How you doing? By the way, I just finished this report. Are you by your computer? Great. Boom. Look in your inbox. Take a look at this thing, what I just did. Uh, and and we, we just go through it. And, and usually it's historical data and what that might mean moving forward into the future like right now, what I'm concentrating on is I've pulled up every sale for the trailing 36 months and I've exported it to Excel. And I, I, I you know, of course, every sale I do, I, I rank what class it was, whether it was A, B plus, B, B minus, C plus, C, C minus. And then I calculate how much they sold for per unit and per, and per bed if it's student and all these other metrics. And I'm sorting Excel spreadsheets to find out which sales that have happened the last three years are the most acceptable to be hurting the worst right now, right? And so if you were a class C apartment complex buyer who bought something that probably should have been 45,000 a unit and you paid 65, $70,000 a unit in the last couple of years, and you spent another 10 grand a unit on renovations trying to get the rents up and you hadn't completed that yet and this shit hit, I want to talk to you, right? And so I'm, I'm taking about, I think it was about 360 something sales in the last three years in my markets. Got it narrowed down to about 180 right now and I'm going to further narrow those. And I'm already having phone calls off the 180 of people who I know. And at the spreadsheet, I'm, I'm, you know, before I start making calls, I guess, as I go down the line, I'll look at it and say, okay, well, this one uh, is owned by American campus communities. Okay, well, that's the number one student housing owner in America. I don't care if they pay too much for it. They're probably going to be fine. And if they're not fine, they're probably not going to use me. They're probably going to use C.B. Richard Ellis because they have to use a publicly traded brokerage. And so I'm going after targets that I know 
are either hurting now or going to be hurting based on what they paid for it. And I'm having discussions with them and I'm talking to them about the survey. I'm talking to them about some of the stats that I ran and I'm just being there for them. I'm not calling up and trying to scare them. I'm not saying, Hey, you need, I never say, Hey, do you want to sell? I don't ever do that stuff. I just provide them information. I listen. I, then I schedule next calls based on what happened. They may say something or do something or ask for something. And then I schedule another phone call. Every day when I walk into my CRM, I have dozens of things I have to do and calls I need to make from conversations I had a week ago, a month ago, five years ago. Could have been a, it could have been an input that I did that a guy's mortgage is coming up in May of 2020. I'm probably calling him a year ahead of time and saying, hey, how's that looking? I'm damn sure talking to him right now. And Bo, you mentioned you use RealNex as your CRM. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and I know there's different CRM products out there. And Dan, I know this is something that you're passionate about too. Yeah, I was actually asked Bo a different question, but um, I mean, my view on CRMs is it's not about the the product. There's difference in products, but you got to use it to run your business. That's what Bo does. I've been involved in a lot of you know Salesforce implementations, and the CRM is not a panacea. It's shifting your business to leverage to make your CRM run your day-to-day -day business, which I can tell Bo does, because he lets it set his priority of who he calls and tracks everything is what, from my understanding. But I was gonna ask Bo a different question. So do you track the debt on each property as well? So you know, oh, yeah. like when they have notes coming due, depending on the kind of debt. Yeah, okay. So I, I would imagine like, if you knew someone had a note coming due in March of 2021, and you know, whatever the situation, the rent's too high, too low, or occupancy's dropped and so forth, you'd use that as a data point as well. Yeah, I, I mean, for anything, any notes that are coming up, I usually call them a year ahead of time. Yeah. And then based on that conversation, I may forward it another three months to six months and call them again. And, and just I just play it by year, but the CRM allows me to kind of, you know, forward these things because, you know, you're right, uh, Dan. I mean, everyone, most people have a, first of all, if you don't have a CRM, <laughs> you're, you're way behind the competition. Most folks have a CRM, but just ain't using it or aren't using it to a hundred percent. And so I, I use it religiously. It's like the, one of the most important things in my entire life. I mean, I, I back up to three different spaces and anytime I take my laptop with me, I even put it in a seatbelt and I treat it like it's a human being. Like it's <laughs> important to me to have a CRM. Oh, you're, you're sharing a little bit about your obsessive compulsive behavior. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do have to say a hundred percent again, having done, Salesforce and Apto at Colliers and stuff. It's like, you say, hey, for salespeople, here you go. And they're like, why isn't it making money for me? And it's like, well, because you're using Outlook as your CRM and then you're, you're, then you're remembering on the side to do a little you know, work and therefore it's not running your life and you're out of control, right? If, you're, if, you, if the best brokers who use it well use it to run their business, like if that's their business platform really. Yeah. So, and that's why I say it. it's like, is it real next? Is it client look? Is it, is it Salesforce? Is there, is it Zoho? There are so many. Um, as long as you run your business through it, that's what matters. Sorry. Yeah. I think, I think three minimum components though, and I haven't looked at other CRMs, three minimum components that I could not live without is the ability, the ability to be able to, you know, put in history, right? Same time you talk to someone, you're typing in the history, sure. scheduling events, obviously, but having searchable fields, right? So all of my properties are imported into a database. 
and I have everything about those properties searchable. So if I have a guy who's wanting to buy 150 unit market rate complex that only has flat roofs, that's only built between 1980 and 2010, and he only wants it in Daytona where Gigi is, I can go into my database and go boom, 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 and here's 19 properties that fit that exactly old. Of those 19, six of them just refinanced in the last six months, so you ain't gonna be able to buy those. Nine of them just sold in the last two years, so you're probably not gonna be able to buy that in the next couple of days. And so you've got four left that you could possibly go to. That's how a database can sing. And if you don't have that, you should get a CRM that has at least that. That's what makes it super powerful for me. And I can do mail merging and mailings and emails and all that stuff with it. But Yeah, and I know we went a little bit past um, the hour when we try to keep these short and sweet. We did have one more question that came in about who your coach is. And before you answer that, I just want to preface, there's a lot of great coaches um, you know, and what may work for Bo may not work for somebody else, but definitely share who your coach is. Um, and, you know, we could also provide additional recommendations on who coaches are in the industry. I know Dan has experience working with several, as does Tom, Matt. Um, obviously, I know several in the business, too. So I have three coaches. <laughs> uh, I've got a, a life coach, which is actually, a, it just happened to be someone here and they, they coached me just on staying grounded and, and family and happiness and just, you know, it's just, it's like a, I don't know, it's, it's like, it's 30,000 foot kind of life stuff, right? And then I have two real estate coaches. I use both uh, the Massimo group and I use a gentleman named Blaine Strickland. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you, Bo. Um, so just to kind of summarize, I know we, we preface this session with three tips for success in a market that we're currently experiencing. And I think to summarize nicely, we talked about, you know, keeping up with the market and creating reports, um, surveying your book of business um, to understand where they are in their market. And first, and, you know, what I think is one of the biggest pieces of importance here is continuously talk to your clients and continuously to cultivate that relationship in a time like this. So thank you both for sharing those three steps. And I think we kind of squeezed a fourth one in there when we talked about an organized CRM and organizing your book of business in a CRM to understand, you know, when you pull survey results in, how you could kind of compartmentalize that within your CRM and start creating that ABC and list of individuals that you could continuously reach out and know how to direct that conversation. So again, we talked about keeping up with the markets, surveying to understand where your book of business currently is within the markets, and then continuously cultivating that relationship and talking to your individuals. So thank you both so much for sharing your insights. We know you have a lot of great experience um, in the tenure that you've been in commercial real estate and what you've experienced in um, a little bit of a smaller market. So thank you. And thank you everybody else for joining us today and asking your great questions and adding to the conversation. Um, This has been a really great insightful session. We look forward to seeing you next week um, on our virtual coffee talk um, where I believe we'll be talking about lease clauses with um, with somebody from the executive team here at Realogy. So um, thank you, Dan, for joining us as well. And yeah. if you want to have any closing remarks. Yeah, I want to give out one shout. Sorry for joining late. It's one of these work from home things when your son does computer graphics. 
uh, for a living and sucks up all the bandwidth in your house. So I'm just, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he's working on advertising. Undisclosed. He does advertising. Uh, so anyway, so apologize for time. But I want to give a shout out to Bo A for being a great uh, sport and, and hosting this session with his insights. I, I love talking to Bo and, and his clients. And I just want to give a shout out. Bo, it's one of our, Bo, I think you're, so, you're, so far, year to day, you're one of our top producers. You're perennially in the either number one or two in your multifamily. You're a rock star in Florida. And just want to give you a great shout out. Always a good person to bounce stuff off of, uh, ideas. And uh, part of our theme, for those of you in the general, global conference, is connecting as one. So getting to know the talent we have and learning from each. Because we don't, you can learn from everybody. We learn from coaches. We also <laughs> learn, I'll add one thing, we learn from each other. If you're not opening to learning from each other, you're not growing. So, Bo, thank you for helping us, uh, giving us the opportunity to learn from you. Really appreciate it. Great. Thank, you. thank you, Bo. Thank you. And have a great, safe, healthy weekend. Um, we have a session for a global conference on Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So check Blueprint and Commercial University for that. And we'll see you um, again next Friday for our next virtual coffee talk. Thanks, everyone. And thank you, Bo. See you here.